Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everyone? I'm Noah Daniels. Hey, y'all. I'm JJ. Hey, guys. It's Kat. On this episode, we had somebody reach out. Her name is Christina, or actually, I might have reached out to Christina. It was a while ago, and uh, we played Instagram tag for a bit, but here we are, and we're super excited to get her on. She has a pretty interesting story, along with some youth ha- youth hauntings. That sounds like you were haunting children. Some hauntings from her childhood. We're being haunted by children. Well, which... yes. So yeah, welcome, Christina, to the podcast. Thanks, Christina. Woo-hoo. Thanks for having me. Christina, one thing we love to find out with our guest is where they rank on the believo meter zero meaning they don't believe in ghosts and 10 ghosts are absolutely real where do you fall on that scale um i would crank it to 11 that wow. would be you broke the scale i did you're 11 on the scale i know that you had some hauntings in your childhood do you feel like those are the reason you're 11 or is it the events that took place <laughs> later on it progressed um when i was a child my first encounter, I was um, four years old. I was living in Germany on an army base in Krelschein, Germany. And um, we lived in family housing, but, and that was built in 1951, but it was on the grounds of where the Nazis occupied and the Americans came in and took over that city. And then they decided to build the barracks there. Um, and, when I was four years old, every night I would see a man come into my room and he would just like look over at me in my bed and it would terrify me. And I would always run off into my dad, my mom's bedroom and beg them for me to sleep in their bed. But my mom always like, go back to bed, go back to bed. And my dad, he would let me sleep in the bed. If I could just quietly walk over to his side of the bed, he would let me get in the bed with him. So I dealt with that. And then I've had other experiences through childhood and up into adulthood i've seen several spirits full body spirits they look like actual humans we moved back to the states let me just just to circle back to that um one in germany Mm -hmm. and this is kind of a morbid question but how did you know that that was a spirit or entity and not like a creep I didn't know. I really didn't know the difference because I was so young and it would just scare me so much. And I would tell my parents, you know, there's a man in my bedroom. He keeps looking at me in my bed and they would just say, it's, you're just dreaming. You're just dreaming. So I just assumed it was a dream. And I, even though I was terrified every night later in life, I realized, okay. And then my parents would always tell me about it. Yeah. I used to tell us there was a man in your room um, when you were little and how scared you used to be when we lived in these um, apartments in Germany. My mother never believed. Okay. First off, I was raised evangelical and um, by my mother, my dad wasn't, but he just followed along with her. So she would just dismiss everything I would see as a child as a demon or, you know, the devil trying to like portray a ghost as, you know, something, I don't know if you've heard that before with 
Christianity, they believe all ghosts are just demons portraying to be good. Funny, funny you bring that up. That was our entire last episode and my entire bachelorette trip. So yes. <laughs> all right. That's a that's that's a really troubling childhood to grow up in that type of denomination, let me tell it, you. It does sound more terrifying to be like, that wasn't a ghost, it was just a demon. <laughs> like, I'd much rather take a ghost. <laughs> Yeah, it also seems like an easy way out to just like not not saying this in a bad way or anything but you know oh all those things it was probably the devil <laughs> yeah exactly. prayed away but I later learned on and later in life that my dad also had the same gift as me growing up and he learned to just suppress it and just following my mom's religious views kind of just like would blame it on that too, because he just, he didn't know how to deal with it either. So, okay, fast forward, we moved back to the States when I'm five from Germany. And um, my dad ends up having to have surgery and it gave him a um, staph infection. So he was in the hospital for about six months and he almost died. And my mom, she had to work. So she would drop me off at the hospital um, because she didn't have a babysitter. So she, I was just, I would just go and sit with my dad while he was laying in the hospital and I'd get really bored and I would walk around the hospital. I'd go to the, the uh, maternity ward, look at the babies. I would just wander the halls of the hospital. Mm-hmm. And uh, my cousin, my aunt came in to see my dad and she brought her daughter, which was my cousin, the same age. And I was like, let's go explore the hospital. Cause I knew every inch of that hospital. And I was like, let's go to the fire um, exit, which is just a long staircase that goes down and you can, it's all brick and you can hear every little noise, just like a casket basically. And we're sitting, we go down about four flights and we're sitting there and we're just talking on the stairs sitting. And all of a sudden we hear, Hey, what are you guys doing? And we look up in the floor above us. We would have heard a door open. We would have heard footsteps, you know, mm-hmm. we look up and there's a man or he's probably 19 years old, 20. And he has really dark circles under his eyes and he's wearing a, a, a gown as if he was in a patient. And he's like, what are you guys doing? And his eyes were so dark and he just looked gaunt and we, we were scared, like, where did you come from? And then he just disappeared and wow. out of thin air. And um, the next, like, physical, like, actual spirit I think I saw was I was picking my, I was 16, 17, picking my dad up from the hospital again because he had a lot of health issues. And it was morning time, and we were driving. I was picking him up, and I was driving him back home, and we were on a highway in Tennessee because he lives in Chattanooga. And we were on this mountain highway, no cars were on the road. And I see ahead of me, probably 400 yards away from me, this kid, teenager, and he has a plaid shirt on, red curly long hair, and he's running in the middle of the highway and he's just panicking looking and he's flailing his arms and he just, he looks so confused. And I'm like, oh my God, dad, do you see that? Do you see that? And we get like about 200 yards from him, hundred yards from him. And my dad's like, yes, I see him. And then he disappears. 
So the the one in the hospital, I think you said mm-hmm. you were with your aunt. Did she see that man as well? Or was it just you that saw the man? It was my, my aunt had come to visit my father. And then she brought her daughter, which was my cousin, the same age. And her and I would just explore the hospital together. Because, mm-hmm. and my cousin Candy, yeah, she saw the the man too. And we both were just like, what was that? He just like literally disappeared. And is that your cousin on your dad's side? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you think, do you think there is something, you know, running through your family on your dad's side? I do. Yeah. Because my cousin Candy and I both, we experienced a lot of stuff in youth, like our youth that was definitely paranormal, but we would just brush it aside, Mm -hmm. you know, and it never really scared me when I was little either. It just was like, "Mm, okay. My cousin Candy sounds like a great character in a book. Too. Like if, I was, <laughs> if I was reading that, I'd be like, oh, that sounds like a really fun character. Yeah, it does. For sure. Also, it makes so much sense that it would, you know, people in your family experience the same thing. I always mm-hmm. think that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And sometimes it's just on one side versus the other. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we've, something- we've heard from like a lot of the uh, mediums that we've, interview that they'll be like oh yeah my children have this too or or like my mom Mm -hmm. did this so yeah Mm -hmm. it's it's weird like the hereditary factor uh that that a lot of people say is there I believe it yeah Yeah. and it's just and I am as I continue I will tell you more about what happened um later on with me and my dad experiencing more together I mean yeah it's just sad that he really won't embrace it because he's scared of it mm-hmm. as I am a little bit, but um, I'm going to fast forward. Hmm? Sorry, before you, you fast forward, did your dad say he had like seen anything at that army base in Germany, like similar to what you had seen? Uh, yeah, but that's, that's going to take a whole new episode. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll table Next that. Time. <laughs> Next time on Real Hauntings Podcast. We'd love yeah. to hear about the Nazi ghosts. Some other time. It, it actually isn't ghosts. And it's um something, he lost a lot of time with a friend out in the field and like, uh, like hours out in the field and it had to do with unidentified like UFOs kind of thing oh. and um, if you guys want to google that with Krellshine, germany army base it's a mckee barracks there was actually a lot of reports of that back in the 70s and when we when we lived there um so and he actually he, he didn't know about that i told him yeah it's you can google it at it's on there people experience the same thing you did oh my goodness i would love to hear yeah. google that mm-hmm mm. Wow, that's uh, a lot of experiences. Yeah. So, um, okay, we're fast forwarding. Um, I'm in college. I'm it's my senior year. I'm graduating. I'm in Chattanooga, UTC. And I was been living with boys like for three mm. years. Like, I'm so sorry. All, yes, they were all guys. We lived in a house together. I was the only girl. I was like, okay, my senior, I'm, I'm getting my own place. <laughs> so yes. I- I find this beautiful, amazing, like Victorian mansion in downtown, like up on the hill near downtown Chattanooga. 
And the man that owned it, um, half of the, the mansion was his and his partners. And then the other half was two apartments. Mine was on the upstairs part. And it was just amazing. It hadn't been touched at all. Like all the furnishings, the floors, everything was just, it didn't have heat. It didn't have air. Even yeah. the toilet was from the 1920s. I mean, you had to pull a chain up really high to flush a toilet. <laughs> it was like, wow. oh my gosh, I wonder how many and people went to the bathroom in that toilet throughout the history know, of time. Exactly. That's <laughs> cool to think about. And Chattanooga is not really known for like houses like that, right? I feel like that's pretty rare. There is a street in North Chattanooga that overlooks the river and it's all homes from the 1800s oh. to the early 1900s. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, um, it was really, this is back in the late nineties. Um, and it was so cheap. It was two ninety five a month. And I was like, Oh my God, I can afford this. I won't oh, yeah. have to eat whatever. And the summer is hot, but who cares? I got my own place. Um, so I move into the place. Um, the very first day that I get the place, I have to work. And that morning I'd moved all my boxes into the apartment and I'd gone to work and this is before cell phones and all that. Um, and my best friend, I'd given her a key just so she could have the spare key in case I needed it for emergencies. And she had come over that day while I was working to unpack my stuff and just be nice and like to surprise me to help me. And, um, I got home later that evening and she had come over and she said, look, she's like, I came over to help you and like surprise you, help you clean up your, pack every like unpack everything clean it all up for you and she's like there was someone watching me the entire time and I could not be in that apartment and that wasn't like her she's very like she doesn't she's not that kind of girl she wouldn't care to even think about things like that and she's like I had to leave Christina and I was like oh well, I don't know I was like great and so she went back home. She didn't want to be in the apartment. She felt very uncomfortable in there. That night I went to bed and probably about two in the morning, I hear, Hey, wake up. And it was a female and I get up and I raise out of bed. Everything's dark in the room. And I see the size of like a basketball, an orb. I've never seen an orb in my life. And, you know, except for pictures and stuff, which I just, I don't know about those, but it mm -hmm. came into my room from the hallway and it was lots of colors in it. And it just like kind of bounced in front of my bed and it went over to my bird, Jake, Jake, my bird's cage. And then all of a sudden my bird just freaked out and he's just slamming himself all around the cage. And Whoa. yeah. And then it just zoomed out of my room and I turned on my light grab my bird and put him in bed with me. I didn't have a phone at that time hooked up. It was my first day. So I was like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? And, um, so the, the next night I, my boyfriend, I was like, you have to stay with me. I'm not staying in this apartment. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, I told him what happened and he just laughed it off and he's like, okay, I'll stay with you. So that next night, nothing happened. Everything was cool. And so the, the third day it was morning and I go out and there's a balcony. I have this huge window that opens up and you can walk out on the balcony and the balcony connects to my landlord's window that opens up to the balcony. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sitting out there drinking coffee and I see my landlord come out of 
the downstairs and he's working in the yard and he's like, Hey, how's it going? You like your new place? I was like, yeah. He's like, have you met her yet? I was like, what? Oh uh, no. <laughs> have, what are you talking about? Have you met her yet? The ghost in the house. And I was like, are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. And he was a hippie. Like he didn't, he was just so nonchalant about it. And I was like, yeah, I actually did experience something. Um, my first night in the house, he's like, yeah, what? Yeah. Um, do you want me to tell you the story on her? I was like, sure. He was like, um, her dad had built the house in 1910. She was a twin to his sister. And in 1920 or yeah, 1920, she had hung herself off of that balcony. No. Um, my part of the house, because that's where her twin sister and her lived on that part of the house, their bedroom. Oh, no. And um, from a jilted love from down the street. And I was like, oh my God. He was like, do, do you, and he acted like I would know. I was like, what do you think her name is? And I'm like, what? That's weird. Ask me. He's like, I'm already freaking out here. And I was like, I don't know. I, I have no idea. And he's like, um, I think her name's Mary Elizabeth because she keeps telling us that's her name. Oh so I had gosh. the only, yeah, I had the only access to the attic in the house and I went up there and it's just tons of stuff. It's like a huge attic. I've never seen anything like it. And there's all these boxes full of stuff and I was going through it and there's all of these old postcards from the 19, like 15, 18, and they were all to Mary Elizabeth. Wow. And they were still up there. Still up there. Everything was still up there. He like bought this house and just like didn't do anything with anything. It. <laughs> he just was renting it out and he didn't even, yeah, he was, he was something else. He was different. So he so knew anything. her name without ever seeing her name displayed on those cards. I'm, I'm guessing, I don't know if he'd been up in the attic. I have no clue. I, I really, cause I honestly, I didn't stay there very long. This is why I'm going to tell you why I didn't stay there very long. Um, I had decided about a month in, I had been working part-time job with this girl. She was a couple years younger than me and she needed a place to stay. And I said, well, I have a bedroom in my apartment that you can rent out if you want to share the rent with me. She's like, okay, that'd be great. Um, this is where it turns for the worse. Oh no. Um, <laughs> yeah. So my boyfriend, he's been kind of staying at my place every night the whole time I've been living there. And I come to find out that they ended up, you know. Oh. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Like and then, watching TV? Yeah. No. I, was uh, <laughs> I was devastated. I just, I oh, was yeah. heartbroken. And um, immediately I just kicked them both out of the house. I mean, I was so upset. I could not, I mean, I'd never... I went into a, such a deep depression that I've never mm -hmm. felt before. And I'm not, this might be a sensitive subject, but I never felt like, you know, taking my life or anything like that ever in my life. But I just felt like this like overwhelming feeling and it wasn't coming for me. It was just like, and I wouldn't get out of bed. It was a week. I didn't go to work. I didn't go to school. Wow. I laid in bed and I felt like it was, I felt like maybe it was her oppression on me. And my dad, who was my best friend, he called me and he was like, I haven't heard from you in a couple of days. What's going on with you? And I told him, he was like, okay, I'm coming over. I'm going to stay the night with you. I'm going to rent some movies. Aww. We're going to, we're going to hang out. And, you know, cause he really was like a, my support. 
so he came over, he saw how depressed I was. Um, we put a couple of movie in and it was probably 10 o'clock at night. And I literally passed out on my couch and he was on the other couch and he was like, okay, weird. She went to bed really early. Um, and then he kept watching the movie and then all of a sudden all the lights were off in the, the living, the living area. And all of a sudden he felt just cold and he saw my guitar rocking back and forth in the background in the corner of the room. And he went up and he pulled the latch for the light up on the ceiling. And when he did, he saw the girl <gasps> in the doorway what? holding a rope, looking <gasps> at him like she was so mad that he was there to help me. And this is, he, he said he telepathically, he saw it. He saw her, she had boots. He explained it. He said, she, she, he saw boots that were laced up all the way to her, almost to her knee. She had like a white, like undergarment on that came up to her knee, above her knee. And she was so mad that he was there. And what he gathered, because he's very sensitive. He was like, why are you here? I want her with me. And Oof. he did not wake me up. He started praying. He started that morning, he woke me up around 7 or 8 a.m. He's like, you're out of here right now. I will pay the rest of your lease. You're breaking it. Um, let's get out of this house right now, and I will explain to you what's going on. And I had never told him about anything in that house. Like, I had never told him about her waking me up, about seeing the ball of energy in my room. I never told her about what the landlord told me. I never told him anything. Really? Oh, my gosh. And he just, like... He saw he, all of that and brought it to you being like, I don't know if you know this, but there's a chick here who's like yeah, crazy. Yes. It, and she was pissed off. Like he was, oh, and he so, got it from her and he didn't, he didn't know what to do. He wanted to leave the house right then and there, but he was like, he couldn't like wake me up. He was like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. So he just prayed. <laughs> he was this terrified. Is, this is one of those stories that like my mind doesn't even go to like, was it the window? Was it the air conditioner? <laughs> yeah. You know, instead my mind is like, is she trying to mourn? Like she's stuck in a place where she's mourning mm. the rest of eternity. And she literally wants to physically manifest that in someone that yeah. like people that come through there. And that, and do you think and, that's what she was doing to you? Yeah. And I feel like she, my dad said that she wanted me to feel what she felt when she was jilted. Yeah. And, and she wanted me to basically do what she did. And she wanted me there with her. Oh my god! This is a haunting of Hill House, haunting of Bly Manor episode. Yeah, I've never for sure. <laughs> Just well, it's scary. Have to be watch careful. It, but yeah, it, it, it's terrifying. It gives me chills to think about because that depression I felt, I have never felt that in my life ever, ever since, and it, it was making me think, "Ooh, it would be better maybe just to not be here anymore," and to my dad to like validate that with her saying, "I want her to." basically do what I did because I need her here with me yeah so not yeah. to circle back too far but what's mm -hmm. it like to put a bird in the bed do you get to cuddle with it does it go <laughs> under the covers or I I love my Jake he um actually I potty trained him so I would keep the door open oh on the cage but he loved to be in the cage but he mm. would wake me up every morning on my head he would be sitting on my head oh that's how he right. would wake me up so potty train, like you would open the door for him to go outside or he would use no, your he would toilet and flush it. Oh goodness. He would go into his cage and then oh. he would never like poop anywhere else. So his cage was always open. Gotcha. But he would go in, he would sleep. 
Was it and like a he, uh, cockatoo or something? Yep, cockatiel. 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 That's so funny. Birds I, are so cool. Well, I don't want one though. It's pretty cool because we've heard so many stories of people being like, "Oh," and then my dog freaked out, and I knew there was a ghost, or my cat saw something and I knew there was a ghost I'm like okay well like my cat thinks I'm a different person when I wear shoes so like I don't know if they really are so perceptive but first we had never heard a story of a bird reacting to something supernatural but the fact that you also saw this orb fly into the cage and then your bird reacted is really yeah he was he was stuck in that cage and he was just the cage was shaking back and forth Oh my gosh. And he was so upset because I never Poor clipped Jake. his wings because yeah. I let him fly around the house, but um, yeah. he was just flying back and forth in that cage and he couldn't get out. And I knew it was that mm. thing. Yeah. That, that Man, that is all so terrifying. So it was horrible. So your dad, you know, obviously has something going on where he's able to see or maybe communicate with spirits. And you said he kind of likes to push that down because it's scary yes. and he doesn't want to deal with it. Up to that point, when this happened, did you quite understand how thin the veil was for your dad? Yes, I did. And um, I, yes, and I always knew it was because when I, like the time I saw the spirit in the middle of the highway flailing his arms and all terrified acting, mm. my dad saw it, but he was very calm about it. He was like, yes, I see it. But he, he just doesn't want to embrace it. And sure. I- yeah, I think that's but, fair. I mean, so and and so this the hippie owner of the home. What was his reaction to when you moved out and broke your lease? He's like, I understand. <laughs> he's like counting that, like sniffing the money that you paid yeah. to break the lease. He's like, he's like and another one gone. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty shady to not tell someone about the ghost in in the mansion when they before, until after you sign the lease. This episode of the Real Hauntings, Real Ghost Stories podcast is brought to you by Wild Grain. Hey, y'all, it's Noah Daniels, and oh boy, I just got my box of Wild Grain bread and pasta. My whole family has been so excited to dive in. We started with a sourdough, and it was amazing. If you're looking to make Mother's Day brunch planning easier or just looking for a great gift for your mom, you've got to check out Wild Grain. Order before May 6th to get your box in time for Mother's Day. Wild Grain is is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Every item bakes frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. The next thing up for us to try is the biscuits with our breakfast. And you can now fully customize your wild grain box, so you can choose any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box. When you go to wildgrain.com hauntings to start your subscription. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com hauntings. That's wildgrain.com hauntings, or you can use promo code hauntings at checkout. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. 
Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta. And I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. And you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. It's fascinating, though, um, how you recounted just feeling the emotional. I mean, obviously, what you went through was really awful and mm-hmm. screw those people for putting you through that. I'm so sorry you had to do go through that. Um, but just feeling like first off, depression and feeling that if you've never felt it before is just like a 70 pound weighted blanket on you all the time, just like uh- Yes. You can't, nothing motivates you, no matter what people say, you don't want to go outside. There's so much more in-depth feelings there, but, you know, to think of it as like her putting her emotions onto you, I've, I have never seen like a ghost, but I think I've mentioned it on this podcast before. Only one time have I ever felt that and we were like on a haunted tour in Scotland underneath the streets and these caves and stuff. And Mm-hmm. And like, I just, I never saw anything. They scared me so bad, the tour guides, because they were like, there's three people in the back staring at y'all, you know, and I'm like, can't see anyone, a ghost. And I was very scared, but there was one tunnel we went down where like, I instantly felt so, so sad. Like I was going to cry. Like I hadn't felt like that. I'd felt scared the whole time, but never just this weight of sadness. And, and I had no clue what it was. And afterwards she was like, okay, did anyone like see anything, hear anything? Did you feel anything? And I, me and one other person raised her hand being like, we were feeling really sad. And it was in the same tunnel. And she was like, I get that a lot. There was actually, you know, someone whose baby, a woman whose baby died when they were like stowing away in that tunnel. And, uh, they, some people say they've seen her like crying and holding like an empty blanket or something. It was really fascinating. And it's freaky, that feeling you get, because you're like, how do, and it's hard to get rid of it. Once you feel it, it's just, Mm -hmm. where did it come from? And I mean, could it be empathic? Is that mean that you're empath or? Right. I don't know. So the the next day, my dad and my mom both come over to help me pack up and um, we pack up all my stuff and put it in boxes. And my mom starts to get really ill. She's like, ugh, I just feel so sick. I don't know what's going on with me. She's like, I get out of here. Even though she doesn't, she thinks it's the devil because she's, the devil lives in this house, not a ghost. And um, we go out and get something to eat. She feels better. We come back in and in the kitchen, because that was the entrance to the, the apartment was, the kitchen was the first room. Um, the boxes were opened and all of my stuff was all over the floor. Yes. Yes. She did not want me to leave. Yeah. We, we got it all packed up that day and we moved it out quick. And we, I brought a bunch of friends over to help get it out. More people, the merrier, less stuff maybe happen. And so we just got it all out of that house. 
Hmm. Um, so that, that experience living with a ghost is what kind of stayed with me in for years and made me really want to find out scientific evidence of like ghosts because they obviously are here, but it's such a thin veil, but is there any way to get like any type of scientific evidence? So fast forward, I'm in Missouri, Kansas city. It was early aughts ghost hunters the show just started and i was like that's what i want to do i want to investigate i want to find scientific evidence whatever i can find to prove what i've experienced throughout my life so i finally joined um, a kansas city paranormal team here and we would go into people's homes they would ask us to come in and investigate and then i was on the team for about three years we did a several not private homes we would go to like um the john warnell home the alexander majors home like historic homes and we would just investigate privately for ourselves just to find out you know if these places are haunted so we did this one home it was the john not the john warnell but the alexander majors home and i experienced a lot of stuff there we worked with a paranormal investigator a remote viewer in san francisco and he would help us on our paranormal investigations and he would remote view and he was also a medium and psychic and he would see the places that we were at and we wouldn't give him any like description of where we at where we were at and you'd always get everything on like point where we were at and like what kind of details like because he he could see the yeah okay He, he would see the structure of the building um and then also being a medium, he would see the history on the building building, and stuff like that. And he would just paranormal, like he would be remote viewing, like he would be with us basically, but not being with us. And he, he would stay on the phone with us during the investigations, wherever we need to go. And But he would like say things about the history of the house that you hadn't told him that like you could verify. Exactly. And, oh, um, wow. He would also do this with our private investigations and just normal people's houses. He would remote view for us there. He's very talented. I mean, gifted, I should say. He's amazing. But um, so at the Alexander Major's home, I sent a link to you to watch. It was from like 12 years, 10 years ago or something. The bio channel had asked me to tell my story of the Alexander Major's home and Harvey, the parent, the remote viewer was on it with me, but, um, I was physically attacked for the first time investigating a spirit literally went through my body. I felt it in that place and knocked me down. I had to like, I gathered the energy to stand back up and I just kept investigating the home. And, um, I took a Harvey had told me to go to the staircase and take a bunch of pictures. He's like, take, tell Christine to go to the hallway and take pictures. So I'm at the hallway looking at the staircase and I take three, I'm just taking photos and I'm seeing a black mask come down the stairs and I captured it all. It's on the video that I sent you. um, Yeah. And so after that, I was like, Oh, I'm not prepared for this. And (laughs) Harvey told me that the remote viewer who's he told me is like you're just too vulnerable to spirits you're like a bright light as soon as you go into a place that's haunted they're going to attach themselves to you and like 
seek you out. Yeah. They, they know the vulnerable, not that you're vulnerable, but to them, I guess. Yeah. And so that was my second to last investigation I ever did. Um, that was, that was kind of like not I, the final straw, but, but getting there. Yeah. So the very last investigation I did was the reason why I will never paranormal, never investigate again. It was horrifying. Um, we went to Ohio to the Villisca Axe Murder House. Have you ever heard of that? No. That's where Kat and JJ met. That's where we're getting married. Just kidding. It's we're not getting married there. We're just doing our honeymoon there. Stop. (laughs) No, we're not. I will never. We're getting divorced already. <laughs> Congrats, by the way. Well, thank oh, you. thank you. Velisca. I'm the divorce or the marriage. <laughs> <laughs> no, Villisca, <laughs> Iowa was my last investigation. Um, I actually brought home an attachment with me, which I'd never done before. And Uh-oh. I don't know if you've heard of people bringing home attachments. I from investigating like yeah. the spirit will actually attach themselves and come with right. you <laughs> yeah we've had we've had a few episodes where people have mentioned that um but when that well i mean you'll tell us i'll just let you tell the story but yeah so we've heard we've heard a couple here and there no harvey the remote viewer had told me he's like christina when you go into this investigation because he was going to remote view from san francisco during this investigation protect yourself but i never I still don't know how to protect myself. I'm like, how do you protect yourself? Do you imagine like a bubble around you? Like I could never do it. And so I just went into it. Villisca, Iowa. Okay. It's a very small town. And um, there was a mass, a, a horrible murder that took place in that town that still is till to this day has never been solved. Um, it happened in the late 1800s. It was a man and a woman, a husband and wife, and they had, three children and they had gone to church that night and they, their kids had brought home two of their friends to stay the night that night. So there are five kids, the mom and dad, this little house in the middle of the night, a man had come in. They believed that he was up in the attic waiting for them. And he hacked them all with an ax and killed every single one of them in this house. And they'd never figured out who it was. Um, and it's horribly haunted. It's, just a horrible place. Um, we investigated that place and we got a lot of EVPs and interaction. And of course, Harvey, he was, he didn't know where we were going, but he had remote viewed and we were all in the kitchen and I was just feeling this awful feeling like, Oh my God, like I had felt at the Alexander's major's home before that spirit went through me. And he was like, guys gather around Christina, protect her right now. There's something coming for her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So they like gathered around me and all of a sudden I just went down again. I literally fell to the ground and I got up and I ran out of that house and I ran across the field to the garage that the, that was the owner of the Vliska house Mm -hmm. had owned on the property. And I stayed in there and I told Rob, the main investigator, I said, I've got, I've got to leave. I can't, I can't go back in the house after what happened to me. It was worse than what had happened to me at the Alexander Major's home. And he understood. He's like, okay, we'll leave. That's fine. So we leave. A week goes by. I'm back at home. Um, my back door has a deadbolt and another lock on it. And every morning I wake up, that deadbolt is open and door is open wide. It's in the winter time. Every single night, my kids are, I'm not seeing anything happen. I'm not seeing spirits. I'm not seeing shadows. My kids are 
six years old at the time uh-huh. twins and they would wake me up and like, mom there's a ma- there's somebody in her room there's a no. dark shadow oh. I'm like Jesus Lord and like my fiance at the time he would not come over to my house because every time he came to my house he's like I gotta get out of here he's like I feel like there's something on top of my chest he's like I feel like I need to get out of here I don't know what's going on and then one time he went over there alone to just hang out and he said he felt hands go around his throat oh my god yeah and but the the, the craziest part was the the door being open every single morning and I'm I I wasn't bothered, which was a weird thing, but everyone around me was bothered by it. How wild is it? And all our fans just went, really? You interrupted her on and finally. How wild is it, though, that you as a young child experienced a dark figured man staring at you and then your children as young children experienced the same exact thing? And that terrified me. So I immediately the first person I went to was Harvey and I I never talked to him outside of our investigation. So we weren't like close friends or anything, but I contacted him and I said, look, here's what's going on. After what happened at Villisca, um, things are escalating in my house, which had never happened before and told him everything that was going on. And he remote viewed my home, which he'd never done before. And he was like, okay, Christina, when you ran out that house, there was a spirit on those grounds that had been a farmer at the house prior to the Velisca Axe murder was happening. And he wasn't allowed to go back into his house after that. And he's a spirit and he attached himself to you immediately when he saw you run out of the house. He saw a bright light, attach yourself to, and he's not mentally well. When he died, he was um, had mental health problems and he was very abusive to his wife and very jealous. Mm-hmm. And he said, I feel like, because Harvey, he didn't know I had a fiance or anything. He didn't know my personal life. He was like, I feel like there's a man that comes in your house and he hates him because he feels like you're his wife and he doesn't want this man in your in the house. So this wow. is awesome. That Full is circle. Very, that sounds so familiar. Very forward of that ghost. But also yeah. it sounds like the ghost from Chattanooga or from your first house. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah, attachment issues. I I had to do something for my kids, for my fiance, yeah. get rid of this thing. Harvey said, you just need to find someone that can clear this, this person out of your house, this, this human, or not human, the spirit. And so I did a little research and I found a husband and wife team that get rid of tagalongs, which I've never heard that term before, tagalongs. And it's fear said yeah. it come along with you. So I met them up, met them at a like little diner one night and we talked, I told them the whole story. And then we went over back to my house and he went down in the basement. Um, cause he, he felt like that's where the man stayed, resided in the, and so he went down there and he asked me for a, like a string or something. So I gave it to him and he went down there and he got rid of that thing. He, I heard him down there yelling and screaming. <laughs> it was, did it was you crazy. See, did huh? you see what he did with the string? He put it, he, it, I don't know what ritual it was, but he got the spirit around the string and put, put it in a jar. And then he took it off somewhere to bury it in the ground somewhere to, to give him its final piece. And we never, ever had any issues after that. It was gone. But then 
I got pregnant right away. And I was like, I am not ever doing this again. I'm not putting my kids through this. Mm. I don't want to deal with this. I am not strong enough. I don't think to handle actually going in and trying to find scientific evidence for paranormal investigation. I'm just going to. Well, it sounds like there's from your story and, and what people around you were telling you, it sounds like not necessarily a matter of, of your strength, but just that there's some kind of quality that makes you more sensitive or attractive to these spirits to interact with in a really malevolent way. So yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that on, on your strength, you know? Yeah. That's why I just, I feel like I'm maybe turning into my dad where I'm just like, mm, just shut it off because I don't really know how to handle all the stuff that's happened in my life. Um, if this isn't the poster episode for setting boundaries with spirit, and I sound like I sound so different than I did a hundred and however many episodes ago, but seriously, like if, you know, the whole theory that, you know, some Christians have about, about, or religious people have about everything being demons, they also say like, well, if you open the door, they're coming in and you're opening the door, not you. I'm just saying hypothetically. Yeah. And this is mm -hmm. something I do agree with if spirit was real, but not necessarily in a religious aspect, but the boundary being like, no, my door is closed. I acknowledge you, uh, but you're not allowed here. What, you know, there's so many different mantras people will say before, or after like, they're doing anything related with spirit. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting to believe that more and more, how important it is to like set those boundaries, protect yourself, acknowledge that they're there, but also like my door is closed and locked because how many times did you mention a door in your, in your stories? That's fascinating. It's like fascinating all those connections. Exactly. I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. I want to backtrack just a little bit. We love just, to backtrack. Because I'm I'm really curious. Back so to like, the bird? Or wait. <laughs> Listen, we could do another so, episode about the bird. I would like to talk about Jake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but when when you were physically pushed down by a spirit by mm -hmm. in both times, mm -hmm. was it was it kind of like what you know we hear from from movies and pop culture of like, oh, I felt cold. Or like how, no, what, no, no, no. yeah, describe that feeling. Cause I, uh, I really want to know. It's like an energy that comes over you that you just have no control over your body. And then just like a weight, like your body's just get pushed down. Like it's so hard to mm. explain. It's just, it feels like something just like energy just passes through your body so quick and you just literally fall. You have your muscles don't work. You just limp. You know what that fall. sounds like to me? I've, I've been electrocuted. Uh, one, two three times that, <laughs> that explains a lot actually <laughs> two times were the times. same like incident i was changing fluorescent light bulbs in my parents store uh when i was mm, 15 16 and there was like supposed to be a plastic guard on the metal part that's like i guess a conductor for the electricity but it wasn't yeah. there and i had a metal ring on and uh my finger anyway they connected but what I was going to say, it happened once, like barely. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And uh, then I kept going and it happened again. And what you're describing reminds me so much of that experience where that electricity got a hold of my body, like mm -hmm. an energy. I had no control over what was going on. Mm -mm. And the only thing I can describe it is 
as I felt thrown off of the ladder I was on when it let go. So I, I don't know when you were describing that, how it felt when the spirit or ghost pushed you or knocked you down. That's kind of what it made me think of. Wow. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> the only time I've ever felt like physically pushed down into the ground without an actual person doing it was like the second time I ever smoked weed and it actually hit me oh, pretty intensely. Yeah. Like I am not even kidding. you. I know this is really relative to everything we're talking about, but. So we are running up on our hour. Those were, I feel like such a great episode to be part of our spooky month of October because it was mm-hmm. literally jam packed of, of what I call quote unquote, <sighs> great ghost stories. I mean, they're your life, you experience them, but as somebody who got to sit here and listen to it, that was truly captivating as we kind of wrap up though. Um, I did want to ask, cause I know it was, it was, it's been a minute since we originally talked on Instagram. Had you listened to our podcast or how did um, you come across Real Hauntings? Okay. During the pandemic, I'd never really listened to podcasts, but I was like, good God, I've got to keep myself busy, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, So I started listening to podcasts and I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to some paranormal podcasts because I was interested. And yours was the first one that I found and I just loved it. So I binged it from 2008. 19 through the 2020s oh thank you so much but i'd love your show because you guys actually have one guest on usually and they get to tell you know they're you guys are great host because you guys questions and want to know more yeah we try to stay committed to a long form format i think uh you know our whole thing is that you know especially when we started but we are super curious about the paranormal, right? And I think if you're only reading stories off the internet or getting short conjunctions of stories, it's hard to really dive in and at least for us individually, personally, and for the audience, make their own decision of whether or not story's true. Yeah. And the biggest biggest thing with us is that we're a podcast for people that aren't already in the world of paranormal because like we never were. And yeah. obviously we love having people on that are so in it and maybe on the shows or, or paranormal teams, which is fascinating, <laughs> but like, you know, I think that's such a draw to it is because people, there's so many people in the world that just don't feel comfortable talking about it or asking about it. And then it's just a place where everyday people are sharing their stories and it's people it's relate to it. Yeah. Love it. We're collecting qualitative da- data. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. And before we get you out of here, do you have anything that you want to promote or anything additional you want to add? I don't have anything else to add, but just trying to stay ghost free. <laughs> <laughs> With that, I'm Noah Daniels. Yeah. I'm Kat. I'm JJ. I'm Christina. <laughs> I like how you said that with a question mark. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.